Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 222. We are looking at, in these podcasts over the next few days, routines and rituals that lead to godliness, to righteousness, to living in a way that God wants us to live in obedience to His Word and in a loving relationship with Him, obeying down to exactly the way He wants us to live. And He has given us means whereby we grow. And as we grow, we desire to grow even more. And growing is not just just taking in knowledge. Yes, that's part of it and study, but we have to exercise. That means we have to obey. We have to live it out. And in order for us to be what God wants us to be, there's some knowledge things we need to deal with right up front before we even get into these routines that lead to righteousness. You see, God has given us a faith that is based upon reality, that is based upon the truths of His Word, things that can be tested, things that we can look and see that God has told the truth all along and He's faithful and we can trust Him. And he has never lied. He has never deceived. He has always done exactly what he said he was going to do. And he's the only one that has ever been totally faithful. But he is always faithful. And if you and I are going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, and we're going to live in obedience to him and surrender our lives to the spirit that's within us, then there's some things that we have to get settled once and for all. And the first thing is that we're truly born again, that that we are followers of Jesus and that we're walking in obedience to him. Let me just say at the outset, the only true measure and solid measure we have that we are born again is walking in obedience to God. Perseverance in the faith and walking with God in obedience has always been the key marker that you are a child of God. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and trust in His name. And so John introduces Jesus as the eternal God, the creator of everything in chapter 1. And he immediately then in chapter 2 starts recording seven miracles that only God could do. That is, interventions within the space-time continuum and what we call miracles, signs, to prove that indeed he is God. But also John recorded seven sayings that only God himself could say, discourses that he said things that only the eternal one could say. And ultimately, when he died on the cross and was buried and after three days arose from the dead, that is the ultimate declaration that he is supernatural, that he is God. And Paul, again, identifies with that very thing when he says in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 4, that Jesus Christ is declared to be the very Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. And John wrote that entire gospel so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that we might trust in his name, that we might be born again and become children of God. But he wrote another book, 1 John, 
to assure those who have given their heart and life to Jesus that indeed they can know that they are children of God. And just like in the closing verses of the last two chapters of the Gospel of John, he gives his purpose for writing that gospel, the good news. Well, so in the last chapter of 1 John, he lays out in verse 13 why he's writing this epistle. He says, these things I have written to you who believe, not that we might believe, but those who do believe, who have already believed in the name of the Son of God, that is Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Again, this is always the hallmark of those who are truly born again, and that is that they continue to believe. Now, it's interesting that the word here to know is the word ido, oida. It is not uh, gnosko, but this is the idea to see with the physical eyes. John makes a lot of the fact that Jesus is a real person. And, uh, of course, that naturally leads us to believe that he is a real person, like he said he was, and that we can trust what he says, not just about physical things, which he never lied about, but because he was faithful in physical things and everything that he said was provable then we can trust him in the things we cannot see. And so it's like a a gateway from the physical uh, realities to the metaphorical and spiritual realities. It's the idea of comprehending spiritual things. Now, it's interesting that John starts out the book of 1 John with all of these physical terms. Why? Because he wants people to know that Jesus is not some phantom. He is a real person. And when Jesus came to this earth, theologians call it the the hypostatic union. Jesus didn't just come and as a man and that he is just a, a phantom, a body, and that was inhabited by God Almighty. No, he was fully man. He was 100% man, and yet at the same time, he was 100% God. You say, well, that blows my mind. Well, the reason is God is the one that made the mind, and he can blow your mind, and that's what he does. Our little finite peanut brains, they're minuscule. They're a drop in the ocean, and not even that compared to the transcendent God who made our brains and made our minds, our soul, our spirit, everything about us. But John says in chapter 1, that which from the beginning which we have heard, that is with our ears, that's a physical something, that has to do with our five senses, which we have seen with our eyes, there's the eye gate, which we have looked upon, we stared at, and our hands, there's touch, have handled concerning the word of life. Now he was made plain, and we, we're bearing witness and declaring to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. In other words, Jesus came to this earth to show us what God is like. God gave us glimpses in pictures and metaphors and type. He gave us uh, the law. The prophets prophesied. He gave us shadows and types. And all of these things were good because they led us to know something about God. But even the written word couldn't tell us enough. No, God 
the Word of God became flesh and He dwelled among us. So John said, we touched Him. We saw Him. We experienced Him. We looked upon Him. We stared at Him. We observed Him. We handled Him. We heard Him. We heard God talking. We saw God walking. We saw God healing. We saw God eating. We saw God drinking. And all of this is so that we can know that God is real. Yes, we see with our spiritual eyes, but we can do that because those who witnessed Jesus did that with their physical eyes. It was the promises of God made complete in Jesus. We have never seen Jesus with our eyes, but we trust that those who did see him have told us the truth through the inspired word. And so John said, I want you to know, those of you who are born again, that you can know for certain that Jesus is real and that you have a relationship relationship with him. And let me just say to you, you've got to settle this because you will never serve God in the greatest way that you possibly can until you study the word, until you know for sure that what God says is true, because you'll quit. You'll stop. The devil will get you discouraged and you'll say, well, I'm not even sure it's all real. You've got to know it. You've got to settle this in your heart. You've got to know that you know. You see, you can trust God's word. This is being a Christian is not a leap into darkness. That's, that's not what faith is. Faith, true biblical faith, is a leap into light. We can trust God. Why? Because he's never lied. He's proven himself faithful. Everything that God prophesied he was going to do, he's done, or he's going to do. Everything about the first coming of Jesus, he has promised to the prophets and to the patriarchs and the fathers. He brought that about. There are over 300 promises that God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, made through the prophets and and spoke to people. And all of those prophecies came true, just like he said. Well, now listen to this. There's almost a thousand prophecies about his second coming, his return to earth, and all the events around that, and what will happen. Listen, they're going to come true just the way the promises about his first coming did. Why would we doubt him if he was faithful in those things in the past? We know he'll be faithful in the future because he's reliable. And so John said, you need to settle this thing once and for all. And there's probably some listening to me right now that you've gone out and taught a Bible study or you've walked with God since his presence and then you have fallen on your knees and asked God to save you again if you're not saved. Folks, you've got to get this thing settled. I went through that for the first uh, two years, three years of my life. In 1975, God radically changed my life. And I used to go out when I was just new in the faith and I didn't understand everything. I didn't have the knowledge base that I need to because I didn't grow up studying the Word of God. And so I was ignorant in many ways and, and I would disobey the Lord and I wouldn't sense His presence. So I'd think I was lost and I'd beg God to save me again. You say, well, why would you do that? Because I was ignorant and I didn't understand the ways of the Lord and I had to grow in that. And I've gotten it written down in several places. February the 2nd, 1978, I was saved in January 
January 75. I know that beyond any doubt now. But for three years until February the 2nd, 1978, I wrote it down and wrote it down and wrote it down because it was so wonderful to me that God filled me with assurance and I trusted his word in every sense of the word. I had done that when I was 19 in 1975, but I had to grow into the grace to know that God meant what he said the day that I trusted him. And just because I had sinned didn't mean that I wasn't his child anymore. You see, I was in a blood relationship with him now that was forged through blood, his own blood, the blood of uh, the covenant that he cut with us when he died on the cross. Just like with my earthly father, I didn't always please him. I didn't always do what he wanted me to do, didn't say what he wanted me to say, didn't act like he wanted me to act. But that didn't mean that I wasn't his child. Indeed, I was his child and am his child to this very day. Just because that we don't always do what God wants us to do doesn't mean we're unsaved. But you have to grow into that. But you've got to get it settled once and for all. If you're living and your life is characterized by disobedience, you're going to begin to doubt your salvation sooner or later. Get this thing settled and develop routines that lead to godliness and righteousness, and assurance will be there. You see, when we're walking in obedience to God, there's no doubt about our salvation. It is when we're in disobedience or we've messed up and we don't understand the concept of confession, agreeing with God about our sin, repenting, and saying the same thing that he does and forsaking it and a walking with God. That's called Christian growth. That's growing in sanctification. That's what we're talking about. We're going to talk about the word of God and prayer and fellowship with other believers and all of those things, giving and sharing and distributing and ministry. All of those are tools God uses in our lives and means God uses in our lives to promote righteousness and discipleship. But please understand, we have to grow into these things, but we have to make the decisions to do that. And the first thing we have to learn is to trust God, take God at his word, that if we've truly given our heart and life to him, we've repented of our sin, we love him, we desire him. Nobody who is unsaved loves Jesus. They don't. The Bible says to those who believe he is precious. You see, if you're just talking about God all the time and Jesus is not precious to you and you're all the time talking about things that pertain to God, but you don't love Jesus and you have no desire for him, you need to look and make sure that you have even given your heart and life to him. Because I'm telling you, the Bible says in First Peter, to those who believe, to those who have trusted, to those who've given their life to him, he is precious. Get it settled. Know for certain, because you can know. John said, these things I have written to you who believe, who've already believed in the name of the Son of God, that you may know. You may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That's why John wrote these things. So he gave all these tests. You see, if you say that you're walking with God, but you're living in constant disobedience, well, the Bible says you've missed it somewhere along the way. If you say you love God, but you don't really love people, and you certainly don't love the brethren and the church of God, well, then you've missed it somewhere along the way. All of these tests are in First John. Read it. And see if God doesn't speak to your heart while you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.